carefully the clothes that were needed to maintain the lifestyle. By sunup, it was time to go home. And since I worked a day job, it would mean taking an hour or so nap, showering, and then heading off to work. By the afternoon break, I would be so sleepy I could barely stay awake. That is, until I was introduced to no-dose, a stimulant that warded off sleep. A few of those and I could get through the rest of the workday and then go home and get ready for the go-go again. Soon I was taking no-dose like it was candy and using credit cards to charge clothes like I never had to pay for them. I felt discombobulated most of my life, long before my teen years, so I was ripe for what happened when I was twenty years old. Early one weekday morning, after the go-go, a group of friends and I went to another friend's house for breakfast. There was a guy that interested me in the kitchen. I walked toward him and asked him to light my cigarette. He pulled out a book of matches. As he opened the cover and struck the match, I noticed that the cover was torn off on the end. What's that? I pointed to the matchbook. What? Let me see those matches. As he handed them to me, I recalled my father's words from a few years earlier, and my curiosity was piqued. While I must admit danger was my first thought, my inquisitive spirit overwhelmed all good judgment. Why is this matchbook cover torn off like this? You don't know? No. Come on. As fly a girl as you are, you really don't know? With a slimy smile, he proceeded to reach into his jacket pocket and pull out a clear capsule with white powder inside. He then pulled out the missing strip of the matchbook cover, which was folded in half like a paper airplane without the cockpit torn out of the middle. He turned the strip over, carefully twisted the capsule open, and poured the white powder onto the furrowed strip. It was much like he was putting toothpaste onto a brush. In the next instant, he directed the strip to his nostril and inhaled deeply. The white powder jetted up his nostril and disappeared. He smiled and shook his head, as if to scatter the powder through his skull or something. He proceeded to line the remaining powder on the strip, and like a vacuum cleaner, his other nostril sucked it up. He made a snorting sound, like a hungry pig, and then handed the matchbook strip to me. School was in. He was the teacher. I was the willing student. Lesson 1 The strip is called a quill, and what you are about to experience is boy, also known as doogee, also known as heroin. But it won't hurt you as long as you put it up your nose, which is called snorting. Are you sure? Yep. Just don't ever shoot up and you'll be all right. I snorted the next white-lined quill of boy that he poured. It burns. Oh, you get used to that. It just means that it's good. Again I snorted. My head seemed to take flight. A euphoric trance took control of my brain. I felt lightheaded. But what I remember most is I felt memory light. No thoughts other than those of the moment. 
a powerful feeling surged through my body. It was like I could conquer anything and anybody. His next move was toward me, to kiss me, I suppose. But he was in for a rude surprise. I pushed him away so hard against the refrigerator that the bottles inside clanked. I knew then that no man would ever hurt me again. Finally, I had control of what happened to me. While the rape had turned my young world upside down, I thought that maybe this boy, also known as Doogee, also known as heroin, would give me the power to turn it right side up. So my love affair with drugs began. As I look back, it reminds me of the song by the Whispers that goes, I only meant to wet my feet, but you pulled me in. Oh, the waters of love run deep. The song speaks of falling in love. However, many of us only mean to wet our feet, but are pulled into some harmful behavior that drenches and quenches the fires of our spirits. Well, I found out that the waters of addiction run even deeper. While I went from no-dose to snorting heroin, left unaddressed, my inner reality of pain and despair would always show up between highs. I was in denial about my problem for many years, thinking that I wasn't that bad. I would trade seats on the Titanic by changing the kind of drugs from pills to dropping acid, to smoking reefer, to drinking liquor. But my ship was sinking nonetheless. And I was the last to know. When I went off to college, only to avoid paying the credit card bills I had accumulated, I still used some form of drug and alcohol. Because I was in school, or kept a job, was not homeless or on some corner begging or on some stroll prostituting. I felt that I could not possibly be a junkie or drug addict. I still looked good, or so I thought. But my life was starting to become more and more controlled by drugs, the getting and using. But I only meant to wet my feet. One thing about addiction, though, it progresses. It's a downward spiral that leads to jail and sometimes death. I would always try to be around people who I thought were worse off than me. When I snorted, I befriended people that were injecting drugs. Then I could say, I'm not that bad. However, at the age of 30, ten years after my first snort of heroin, I injected it for the first time. It said that addiction is a feeling disease. Being a lover of words, I broke the word dis-ease down. To me, it has come to mean that I am not at ease in whatever my reality is. I have a problem with my feelings and understanding that feelings are not facts. I was not at ease with the feelings associated with my rape, abortions, my squandered life, being a mother, a wife abandoned by her husband, a daughter abandoned by her father, and even being in my own skin. I never felt comfortable with being who I was and all that it meant or didn't mean. I used drugs to forget, to stay numb, to not have to deal with reality. The night before I shot heroin for the first time, 
I was arrested for assault with a dangerous weapon, unauthorized use of a vehicle, and breaking and entering. With drugs comes an unspoken responsibility to maintain the lifestyle. I had become a dealer of the pettiest sort. Hustling backward, it's called. I made money and spent it faster than I made it. I had recruited young boys to help me in my life of crime, since I was a woman alone. As a result of trying to get some money owed to me, I accumulated these charges. I spent the night in jail, which had never happened before. The next day when I got out, a girlfriend of mine came over with some heroin. While she was known to use drugs intravenously, I was known as a snorter. However, the possibility of facing twenty years to life in jail was very disturbing. I recall thinking about how useless my life had become, me, having had so much potential, as I was always told, until it became a curse rather than a blessing, because I knew that I was not living up to that potential. Now I faced the possibility of prison. My friend passed me my half of the heroin so that I could snort it. I watched her as she prepared the heroin mixture for the syringe. I just wanted to turn my life off, if only for a few minutes. What's wrong, Stacy? Why are you saving yours? She had taken her eyes off her mixture as she prepared to tie her arm up to locate a vein. No. Put it all in the cooker. I pushed my portion toward her. All of it? For a few brief seconds, with pleading eyes, she said, Are you sure? Yeah. Come on, hurry up before I change my mind.